Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So feel free to ask a question, but the first thing I want to do is that Pastor Brandon was sharing something with me uh, today. We had coffee at Starbucks for a little bit, and we're talking about tonight, and um, he shared something with me, and uh, I, I just, I said, would you, would you share that with our church tonight? I think it's important that our, our people hear this, and it just really ministered to me, and I know it will to you, and, and really it just has to do with, and I'm going to just ask him the question, and then he'll, he'll just go from there. And any questions that you have in the room and, and you're willing to ask it over the microphone, the way to do that, just raise your hand, all right? And we'll answer as many questions as we can, you know, and, and do our best. And, you know, we've prayed for the wisdom of God here tonight to be with us. And, uh, but w- sometimes the wisdom is, I don't know. And if, I don't, if we don't know the answer, we're going to tell you we don't know. We're not going to make something up, all right? But uh, we're happy to take your questions tonight. So, Pastor Brandon, just from one pastor to another. Um, what, what happens in church? There are all kinds of things that are going on that people don't see or do see in the way of service. Um, and how important is each of those services, um, those ministries that take place every way, how important is that to you as a pastor? What does that mean to you? Um, well, I think that um, church doesn't happen without it. Church doesn't happen because I, as a pastor, stand in a pulpit and preach. Church happens because there are people standing at the doors greeting. There are people working in the nursery. Yeah. There are people working in children's church. There are youth leaders. There are worship leaders. It's people serving and moving the church forward. That's really the power of, of uh, the church, I think, is this opportunity to serve. It is the the invisible parts that are the most vital parts. If you just look at the human body, we know that to be true. You can see my eyes and my nose, but you know, if I had to, I could live without my eyes and my nose, but the parts you can't see, like my heart, I can't live without that. And my liver, I can't live without that. You can't see that part. And in church, it's, it is the invisible parts of the body that really keep the body alive. And, and we can never undervalue what we do in service in the church Um, Jesus said he gave us this promise in John chapter 12 verse 26 he says where my servant is there I am also so everywhere you're serving Jesus is there so if you're ever in church and you're thinking well I don't really feel Jesus well go pick up some trash and you'll feel him real quick Uh, I, I think about there's a story um June 17th 1972 A security guard was walking around the building where he was working, and he was doing his routine stuff, uh, checking doors and observing the parking lot. It was the middle of the night, and and, uh, nobody was there, and and he was feeling quite depressed that he's there by himself, wished he had someone to work with or had another job where he could feel like he was really important. I mean, how important is it to just walk around and check the doors that are always locked? I mean, it's the same thing every night. Everything's like it's supposed to be every night. But on this night, he was walking around the building, and he pushed a door, and the door bounced back at him, and he realized that the latch on the door, someone had put a piece of tape over the latch of the door, and it wouldn't click shut. And he thought, well, somebody forgot to... They were carrying some stuff in and out probably and just forgot to, to 
to undo this. And so he took the tape off of the door and kept with his rounds complaining about the routine of what he was doing and had a few stops, had to go in the building a little bit, look around, and then he walks back around the building. About an hour had passed, and he got back to that door, and someone had put tape back over the latch of the door. And he realized somebody was there that wasn't supposed to be there, so he called the police. And the police showed up, and a few minutes later, after the police get there, not long after that, the FBI shows up, and he realized that this was much bigger than what he thought. And what he had set in motion was possibly one of the greatest political scandals ever in United States history that we know as the Watergate scandal. That it was one guy just doing a menial task, found a piece of tape over a door latch. And that's what set the whole thing in motion. It would have never been discovered had that guy doing the routine thing yeah not paid a little bit of attention. He could have just looked past him and gone, oh, whatever, I don't care. And it is that routine thing that we do in church over and over that we observe. You don't know how many times you've pulled the tape off of something that set in motion something greater. Maybe you didn't see it come to pass, but it came to pass. And so we should never undervalue those smallest of tasks that we take on in church because God wants to do some really supernatural things, and he does it through the act of service in the church, I believe. Does that help Absolutely. And, and, and tell that part of Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, uh, so we know Stephen the, the, the martyr. You know, here's Stephen who, who stands before the council of the, of the Jews and, and rebukes them for, for their history, what they've done. I mean, he's, he's chastising them with history. He's chastising the guys who taught him the history. But Stephen's job in the church was to serve tables. But the Bible says of him, not that he was a nursery worker or that he was a, a waiter at tables. The Bible says Stephen was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He evidently was known for waiting tables full of faith and full of the Holy mm. Spirit. And when you will approach every act of service full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit, something supernatural is going to happen. And so we, we, we have to see all those parts as very, very important That's in, in the so church. Good. And what that did, too, with Stephen and Philip both, you know, of all, the, all the, the apostles and all the miracles that were happening, it's like the Holy Spirit starts emphasizing these two waiters. Right. Now, they're not just waiting tables, you have to understand the situation that they're in. There has been this squabbling going on amongst the widows that they were taking care of. That some of them felt like they were being disregarded in the distribution of the bread. They weren't getting as much as others. And that was probably true because they were Hellenistic Jews. And, and, and so there was some racism, race, racial tension there. And so they might have very well been neglected. And so Peter these guys came out and said, we have to give ourselves to the word. We need to get some men to take care of this. Can you imagine that they put these guys and said, go out there to that hornet's nest and fix this? Squabbling widows. All right, this isn't just an ordinary wedding table. I mean, these guys are in it. And they're having to keep the peace. And they're having to, you know, make everybody get along and, while they serve them and do what they can. And it's in that atmosphere, see, them doing a job nobody wants to do. But... As he said, 
full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, that all the attention from God and the writing of this scripture goes on these two guys, like Peter, James, and John, just kind of put them on hold and start talking about what these two deacons were doing. And it says that many signs and wonders were, were performed by the hand of Stephen. Think about this. It was that acceptance, it was that humble assignment that he took that opened him up to supernatural things. And, and I, I just love this thought, that tape on the door. Um, and there is no, you know, I was thinking about, and I've, I've shared some of this with you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, and verse, verse 28, the apostle Paul writes, he says, and God has, anointed, has appointed these in the church. All right, so we know that these things happen in church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. And then right after that, helps. That's extraordinary to me. Apostles and prophets and healings and miracles and helps. It makes the list of spiritual things going on in the church. And God sees this in the same group. Administrations. Varieties of tongues. And it goes kind of back to what we would call like a supernatural thing. Helps and administrations are right there in it. And everything that is done in the house of God, in the church, in the way of service and ministry, is all done by the same Spirit. What happens here on this stage is no more important than what happens at greeting, what happens at that soundboard, what happens back here in the cave. I think my son's probably back there running the live stream right now. Thank you, son. Thank you. What happened back there at the camera with Jason? Kids' church, nursery, all of it is by the same Spirit. Not one is more important than the other. Got to remember that. So it helps us all then really value what we're doing. But the key is, whatever service you do, bring faith, be filled with faith and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Yeah, can, I, can I add one more thing to that? No. Uh, just... Um, <laughs> Uh, we, we were talking about this at, at coffee, that Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. It's known as the triumphal entry. We celebrate it on Palm Sunday. I mean, they're celebrating Jesus. The crowd is going crazy. They're loving Jesus. Jesus is doing great teachings. And in the midst of all this, he turns to two guys and he says, hey, I need you to go, find the, go to this place over here and prepare yeah. a table so that we can have dinner. <laughs> but I want to be in, involved in what's happening. I, I want to be there when you're teaching. I don't want to miss one single thing. No, I need you to go over and set a table for us. Well, what these guys didn't know and couldn't have known because Jesus didn't say, they were actually setting the table for the Last Supper that we're still talking about. And sometimes we feel like if we're doing the menial things, we're missing out on what's happening in the service. You're not. Mm. You're not. You're actually setting up something that could be really supernatural and great. So don't, don't, don't feel like you're missing out. God will not let, let you miss out when you're serving his house. That's exactly right. That's very good. Pastor, can yes. we uh, ask a question on what Pastor Brandon was saying real sure. quick? So, Pastor Brandon, you mentioned the importance of not allowing the mundane to run you down. Are there some things that you practice regularly that help you maintain expectancy? Good question. Glad they asked you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, there's something about, there's something about um, church that is very routine. 
it's, it's, the Bible is, is alive, but there are certain things about it that are very routine. I mean, every time you open the Bible, it's still Jonah that got swallowed by the fish. <laughs> It's still Noah that built the ark. You know, I mean, it's still all the same characters. I mean, we're, we're, we're preaching from, from, from a book. The newest parts of the book are 2,000 years old. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's, there's just in what we do in church life, there is a, a routine about it, and we have to get really good about, about um, finding joy in the routine. And the way that we do that I think one of the primary ways that we do that is, is um, as, as we've already discussed, when you, when you have been put on the schedule to work in the nursery, um, I, I, I think that's a good time for you to spend some time praying in the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. because you want to walk into nursery full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. So, and the Bible says we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so when you spend time doing that, then there should be, by default, an expectancy that when you get there, God's going to do something amazing, even though in your mind you know that so much of what's going to happen is just routine and you could do with your eyes closed. But it's your attitude about how you approach it. Um, I think we, we can get kind of um, careless and a little bit nonchalant about how we read the Bible. I think we ought to read the Bible with an expectation that we're going to be knocked out of our senses every time that we approach the Word because this book is alive. Yes. It's alive. But yeah. the best thing to do, I think, is to spend some time praying in the Holy Spirit before you Good. read the Word, before you come to church. That what happens here should happen from everyone serving, from, from the parking lot uh, to, the, to the pulpit, every part should be coming to minister out of an overflow of themselves and the ministry that they have with God, just between them. They need to be spending some time in prayer, in worship, in the Word, so that when you walk into this place, you're filled with life and an expectation. That, listen, every time we meet, we've made an appointment with God. And every time we meet, God has made an appointment with us. And so we need to come in with an expectation that this is going to be the best ever, that every time we meet, it's just going to get better and better and better. And that should be our expectation every time. That really sets the tone for, for managing the routine. Because if you don't, you'll get real bored, real, um, dis, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, disenchanted um, with what's happening. You, you'll get very disgruntled. You'll start to think that, I had a man tell me, uh, one time, he wasn't coming to my church, but, but he wanted to come to my church. And, and one thing that I knew is that his wife was really, really wealthy. And so um, that was a good thing to know. Uh, you, you know, I, I say it like this. We love, we love, we love catching fish because the Bible calls us fishers of men, but it's good to catch those fish with the gold coins in their mouth now and then, you know. And um, so uh, he was telling me, you know, at my church, just, I just don't feel the Lord there. You know, it's just so shallow. And every time I'm around you, it just feels so deep. And I want to come where there's deep. And I'm thinking, oh, man, your wife is so rich. That would be awesome. <laughs> but, but when he said, is that too honest for Wednesday night? I'm sorry. Uh, they they um, know we're after all their money. Um, so it's so uh, <laughs> but there was something that he said that really bugged me. He said, I don't feel Jesus there. 
But I know there's a promise in Scripture that says every time the people gather in mm. His name, there He is. Mm. So now the problem's not the church. The problem is Him. And do I want that to come to my church? <laughs> and so I asked Him, oh, I said, well, good. where are you serving? He said, well, I used to serve in men's ministry. And I said, okay, well, where are you serving now? Well, I'm not really serving anywhere. Well, how long has it been since you've been serving? It's about a year. How long has it been since you haven't felt Jesus? And he just looked down at the ground. And I said, let me guess, about a year? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, I would tell you that the prescription for your problem is to go back and get involved in your church and start serving somewhere. And um, you'll feel Jesus. But it was the expectation. It's, you know, that had a lot to do with it. Sorry, that was a long answer. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I, I've personally observed, and I think you could probably attest to this, is, you know, you watch your people and, and you observe them and, and listen to them and what's going on in their life and things like that and minister to them at whatever level they are. But I have found that people who are serving are never, hardly ever, I won't say never, hardly ever complaining about the church. It's when someone is on the outside that they take that in, put their energy into having an opinion about how everybody's doing something wrong yeah. or why this isn't working. And, and don't give anything in the offering. They don't serve, but they got opinions. And they're going to let us hear them. Um, and and I'm, I'm convinced that whatever you pour yourself into, like Pastor Brandon said, you give yourself to that humble service, you will find joy and peace. You, you won't start questioning everything that's done wondering why this isn't going that way you know um and i personally have found this to be true the more i served the more i owned the house i lived in the more i loved being there i wanted to be there it just it, it just kind of self-perpetuates a hunger inside of you for the house and and expectancy one of the things with pastor brandon talking about routine is um there is something to just being here you know, just making a commitment to be it. Now, you might come dragging in here after the longest week of your life or day, you know, come in here and you just say, I'm just, I made it to church. That's the best I could do today. I don't have much expectancy. I don't have much joy. I'm here, though. Hey, if that's what you can get here, get here. And, and because there's something to it. I want to just read a, a piece of scripture to you out of Luke chapter 4. And it's verse 16, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And it says, so he came, speaking of Jesus, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. Think about that. Jesus had a custom. He had a routine. When the, when the church doors opened for service, he went. Now, I find it interesting that anybody could, in their walk with God, come to this belief that they don't need church. If Jesus needs church, if Jesus made a custom, he saw that it was extremely important to be there. And so they had, as his custom was, he walks in. Because there's something powerful that happened because you just, God is, he, he works in interesting ways with us. And there are particular times when we gather together that we just have like, wow, like, you know, the last couple of Wednesdays and even Sundays have been, I mean, we've just, 
we've just had incredible manifestations of his presence here. As a matter of fact, you remember two Wednesdays ago when, when Quan was testifying up here. See, Quan was having a breakthrough. And not everybody realized what was happening, but he was struggling with some anxiety so much so that it was affecting his speech. And he was stuttering, and it was frustrating for him. And before service, I came back to say hi to him. He'd been struggling for, for several days at this point, and he's kind of stuttering through his words. But, he, you know, he's not given up. And, uh, and, and so as we're having worship him, and it was so powerful, and Day-Day's up there doing what Day-Day do. <laughs> he prophesies. And remember what I said? I got up there and I said, Day-Day, I want you to release that prophesy on those drums. And remember when he did, Quan broke, broke through. And, and, and he said, Quan said, he heard the Lord say, during the worship tonight, there's going to be a breakthrough tonight. And it happened in this moment. So Quan stands up there. Did he stutter? No, it was gone. I mean, he just broke right out of that, stood up there. And not only did, was he testifying of what God was doing, but he started ministering to people. I mean, it was just this powerful, powerful thing. And, and, and even tonight when we're standing here uh, during worship, my brother leans over to me. He says, he don't just play the drums. He prophesies on the drums. I said, oh, you see that too. You feel that too. He does. But we, we have those times. And so that's why it's important to be here because sometimes God does real special things. But if you're not here, you can miss it. And, you, and, and he makes it unpredictable so you'll always be here. And I like that. I like that. So I've told you before, Heather and I decided we were going to be in church tonight 25 years ago. If you're deciding when to go to church, if you're, if you're waiting until Sunday morning or Wednesday night, what are the chances you're going to actually show up? But if you'll just make a commitment to the house, this is what we do. You won't have, you won't, it won't even be a question in your mind. You've already settled the issue, Right? And it's a good routine. Look, listen to this, what happened. So as his custom was, so here's Jesus doing his routine thing, going to church, and he, ha he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. See, there's a, a person called the ruler of the synagogue who, who took care of the order of service. And he was the one who would give the reading, and they had an order to that reading. And when these rabbis, these teachers would come in, they would open this scroll or the book, however they had it, and, and they would find where the last reader read, they'd find the mark. And then by the order of the synagogue reading, they would start on the next thing. And, and this, this, they, they, they weren't just picking up a text and saying, I want you to go over here, we're going we're gonna to read this tonight. No, everything was in order. So Jesus just so happens... In his routine, walks in this day, he's handed what he's going to read. So he's not going over picking it out. They hand it to him. Are you hearing me? So he's, here he is. He found the place where it was written. So now he's, 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 found, he's found his reading spot, and it's Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it to the attendant and sat down. Routine. Uh, not quite. Listen, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. How many times had they come to church and heard that version of that ver those verses from Isaiah read? How many years had gone by where in the routine they were there, but they were there, they were there, but this day the routine showed something quite amazing. In the routine, a supernatural experience. The word of God that had been spoken of years and years, hundreds of years prior, in this moment, in their lives, in their routine, became fulfilled. Wow. That's why we have to be here. Now, I'm, I'm talking to you who are here on a Wednesday night. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you so much. I just want to inspire you and encourage you. What you're doing is so important. This routine is so good. It's not only good for, for these experiences, but let me tell you something. Moms and dads, your children, your children learn so much in this. You be churchgoers while they're children. When they're adults, they'll be churchgoers. You will set them on a, on a course that they'll, that they'll never recover from. And even if they do stray, the scripture says when they're old, they won't depart from it. They'll just come back to that routine because they've been thing, these things have been instilled in them. And for the rest of that, they'll never be able to escape this. And it's beautiful. You don't want your children to escape it. Amen. All right. Yeah, Eric, Eric used it. Let me just give one analogy I heard one time. Uh, Eric gave this word. He used this word several times, commitment. Um, there is a difference between being committed and being involved. If you think about, like, your breakfast, if you had eggs and bacon for breakfast, uh, the eggs were, I mean, the chicken was involved in helping you eat breakfast, but the pig was committed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Thank you, pig. Okay, I have a few questions in queue, so... If you do have a question and you want to get in this queue and don't want to get jumped by people, please go ahead and send me a text. If not, go ahead and or I see you. I'll, I'll get you. Miss you, Benny? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and ask your question? Okay. Uh, can I come up there? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Oh, no. Yeah, better hold. You better buckle up. Oh. Um, right I was vacuuming here. And um, I had already spoken to Pastor and to his brother out there. And Miss Benny, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you um, yeah, put that up closer? I Everybody said, can hear you. Uh, I hugged you. And I told you, Pastor. And then a, he came and he said, how are you doing? And I hugged him, but I said, Benny. And I didn't dawn on me until I came and I was vacuuming up here. And I said, oh, my God. I said, forget it. You owe an apology. So I started singing a song. You know, people need the Lord, and I needed God right then and there. And, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, you owe Pastor Brandon an apology. I said, because you said pastor to you. I said pastor to you, but I did not say it to him. Wow. And that brought me back to what I learned in our previous church, because there was a division in our church. And then after the son-in-law took over, you know, it was not good after that. So doors closed, they sold the church, and we came here. And I found uh, in the Bible the power-destroying danger of familiarity, mm. where... Um, 
says that the only, there is only one place where we find Jesus cannot do miracles, and that is in his hometown. Hmm. Why? Because the people were over familiar with him. They saw him as a carpenter's boy, not yeah. as the son of God. Yeah. So it became very much something to respect our pastor, who he is, and also not only but other pastors in our, in our churches. Amen. And also towards our leaders, to our teacher, to his wife, his children, to Jeremiah, his wife, Awesome and his wife, and Brian and his wife. You know, there are leaders in our church, and we got to respect them and let them know that they are who they are. So, I owe you an apology, Pastor Brandon. Thank you, Miss Benny. Wow. Yeah, thank you. We love you very much. Uh, I do have a few questions. Um, so, again, if you do want to get in this queue, please text it as fast as you can so I can make sure that you're in the line. The next question that I have, yeah. this one is for Pastor Eric. When you're challenged in the flesh with temptations, how do you decide what is from God and what is meant for you to follow? So distinguishing between what's your flesh and what's God is what it sounds like. Uh, well, let me say this to you. You have the Spirit of God in you, and He will always guide you in the right way. Can I, can I just be real, real honest? You know. <laughs> you know. You know. He's not going to leave you wondering if this is sin or not, if this is good or this is... No, he will always be your guide. And you know the moment, the moment when he, he's speaking to you, come on, and, and, and he's... You know, he's not there. He's not there convicting you of sin. He's there convicting you of righteousness. He convicts the world of sin, the sin of unbelief. He convicts us of righteousness. Hey, you're righteous. This is who you are. Remember who you are. Right? And that starts talking to us. And, and, and so the flesh, anything that wants to please itself, I mean, come on, anything that wants to serve itself, we know that that is from the flesh. Anything that would, that would be sacrificial and to serve others, giving, loving, serving, all those things are attributes of God. Um, and so the scripture says that no man is tempted by God. We know that. So any temptation that comes, and temptation is that which just tries to pull you away from the right thing, from the true thing. And so, and you know it, because as a child of God, you are fully authentic in him. You are one spirit with him. There is no separation there. So you know by the spirit, by your reborn spirit, and the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you, and he's going to guide you. So you know the voice of God. You hear the voice of God. And so just trust him in that and know that you know the right thing to do more than you think you do. See, one of the things, and, and I think the reason this question came, and, and I hear this question, is people have been made to believe that they don't hear God's voice. They write books about it. They do seminars, how to hear God's voice. You already hear his voice. 
Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. That's a bunch of religious nonsense. So just throw that stuff off and say, I'm going to believe Jesus. He said, I hear his voice. Lord, thank you for that. And I'm going to walk in that confidence. Amen. He loves you. He loves you. He's given you every, every advantage in life, everything that pertains to life and godliness. How to, how to walk under the influence of the Spirit. So just trust him. Say, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you, and I know you're going to lead me in the right way, and you're going to show me. All right? So, I, you know, I don't wrestle with that. I really don't. I know if it's wrong, and I know if it's not. I, I just do. Um, I, we just have to get honest enough with ourselves that we'll admit that. Right? Okay. All right, next question. How do you maintain and grow relationships with people who do not believe in Jesus or have no desire to believe or go to church? Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that you can actually grow those relationships. They, they are more just maintained. Um, and you, you don't want to grow relationships with people who are opposed to who you are and what you stand for and yeah. and what you believe you don't want to grow those kinds of relationships um yeah, you but you do need to maintain them because statistically speaking every of all the people that get born again in a year's time um somewhere around 86 87 percent of the most recent thing that i saw um that that large statistic are people that get saved because a friend either told them about Jesus or invited them to church. And, and so that's the most effective form of evangelism. Nothing else even compares. Um, street evangelism produces 3%. Um, but there's 3%, so we need street evangelism because we'll take 3% too, sure, right? Sure. Um, but the most effective is through relationship. And so it, those relationships do need to be maintained. You just have to draw good boundaries. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any expectation of growing in that relationship until they have come to Christ. Yeah, yeah. Because we do have this, this um, admonition from the Scriptures that, that evil company corrupts good morals, corrupts good standards. So, um, and that's why it's important that you don't grow those kinds of relationships, that your, your healthy relationships are found in fellowship with other believers. That's very good advice, Pastor Brandon. Thank you for that. Next question, what is the fear of the Lord as referenced in the Old Testament? The beginning of wisdom. <laughs> That's what it says. That's what the Old Testament says. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is faith. It's faith in Him. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's fully trusting Him. That means that you've given all of your respect and honor. You're, you're hanging on His promise, His word. Mm -hmm. above all else, giving his word the highest place of honor in your life. Mm -hmm. That's the fear of the Lord. Yeah, and, and even in the Old Testament, when it was used it, in the context of Proverbs where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's not to be afraid of God. Even no. there, it's not about being afraid. It's about, it's about living your life with a reverential sense of accountability to him. Yeah. That's right, and that's what faith does. It really does. Faith pleases God. Without it, it's impossible to please it. Amen. Jesus gives direction on how to pray as well as how to fast, indicating that we should do both. He also stated that his disciples would fast when he was no longer with them. What place does fasting have in the modern day church, and why is it not spoken of much? 
I know you got something to say on this. Yeah, um, if, if you remember, when, when the Pharisees came and asked Jesus why his disciples didn't fast, he said some came for fasting and some came for eating and drinking, and that's me. Um, <laughs> uh, there, no doubt there is, a time, there is a time for fasting, but one of the reasons why I... Um, it's, it's one of the things, and we, I think I just, for me as a pastor, I've got to get better about explaining it. There's a lot of misconceptions about what fasting is and what fasting does. And mm-hmm. the worst misconception is that somehow if I fast, I'm going to hear God clearer. Somehow if I fast, I'm going to be closer to him. That's, that's, not, that's not what fasting is for. Fasting is for your own flesh. It's not, it's not for your relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to just add that the Apostle Paul, the one that we look to as our apostle for the Gentiles, listed fasting in his list of sufferings. That's the only place he talked about it. <laughs> and fasting's often. That's right, he did. Um, but there, I, I think that's a good question. Here, here's, here's the issue. I think fasting is, is important. I think you should. Um, and, and, and not just food. One of, the, one of the best things, I think, in this day and age you can fast is your phone. Is your phone. Just look around you. How often are you on your phone? I know you're not on it right now. You're fully engaged in church right now. But <laughs> I believe in you. In the car, standing in line, if you, if you just observe, just take a couple of seconds and observe humanity around you. You're standing in the line at Starbucks. Every person, almost, I've, I've, seen, I've seen every person many times. Everybody's like this, right? If we have just a few seconds, we're right here, right? And it has become a routine. I'm not saying you shouldn't be on your phone. I'm not speaking against it. I'm just talking about how much time it's taking from you without you realizing it. It's stealing moments from you um, where, where you could invest that time into hearing, listening to the Lord and, and, and hearing his voice and, and tuning into him. You know, because the scripture says he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. See, he's speaking all the time. You know, radio waves have been on planet Earth since it was created. We didn't find them for thousands of years. We didn't invent them. They were already here. We found them. His, the spirit is speaking all the time. Fasting, fasting is you giving attention, not to the flesh, but to the spirit. It's where you're saying, no, 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 no. no I'm not going to give you what you want all the time. I'm going to take this, this moment where I would normally serve myself, or normally I would do something for the body, and I'm going to invest it in him. Now, that does not mean that you just skip a meal and then just wait for 5 o'clock so you could go back and eat dinner you know, or, you know, skip lunch and then come on dinner time, you know. No, during that time, use that time to open the book and read. Don't just use that time to be like, boy, this is a long hour. No, just, be, I'm telling you, you'll rob yourself of the experience. You might as well eat if that's how you're going to see it. Because it's not just about suffering. It's not just about a sacrifice. There's a reason for it. Now you're going to give that time to him. Spend time praying in the Spirit. Call someone up and just encourage them. Say, I just want to pray for you. I'm thinking about it. And just give something to someone. Um, and so fasting is important for those reasons. But we have to be careful about this because people go nuts with it. And they teach it like it's a major doctrine in our day and age. And it's not a major doctrine. 
It's really not. One of the things that Paul emphasized about fasting was fasting sex between a husband and wife. I mean, no amens there. I knew that. There's the, we never amen that. And he says, but that fasting needs to be consensual, but don't do it forever. You need to come back together and... What a, thank you. Thank you, Barry White. <laughs> so he said, even that needs to have an end to it. So, uh, and, and that way you can, you can give, that, you give that time to the Lord. So this, like uh, Pastor Brandon this said, this is really about just denying the, the, the denial of the flesh. This isn't about trying to get closer. Listen, you're as close to God as you'll ever be. He's inside of you. Praise God. But fasting does bring an awareness to you. I, I do believe that. I do believe that it does bring a new, a fresh awareness to you and kind of gets you out of that normal mundane. We just don't realize how much we feed the flesh until we stop. And we go, ooh. Let, let, me, give you a, let me give you an Old Testament prophecy that is New Testament focused. Isaiah 58. Hmm. Isaiah 58 verse 4 says, You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? This is God speaking. A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring, your, you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, wow. and your healing shall, break forth, shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. See, we don't think about fasting in that context. But mm. this is God saying to the New Testament church, yeah. this is the fast that I have chosen. And so when we think about fasting food, this says that the food that you would fast is the food that you choose not to eat, but you choose to give to someone else. And so I, it, well, what Eric said is so important that, that rather than just killing time saying, man, I'm hungry, I sure wish the time, the time's going by, so use that time to be a blessing to somebody else. That's the New Testament way to fast. Excellent. It's not to afflict the soul, but it's to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to preach eight days a week. Really Amen. Okay, we've got about five more minutes before we Pastor, uh, close up tonight. In case we don't have time to answer all the questions, is there a way we could post answers on Facebook later? For the ones that no, get answered. but what okay. we'll do is that we will do this again. Okay, awesome. we will do, and we will do this. Awesome. We'll do this again. We'll do this again very soon. We really will. If Pastor Brandon's not here, uh, Heather will sit there. And... <laughs> but you got to watch her, man. She, she, she didn't pull any punches. That's for sure. Okay, great. I believe Miss Becca has a question. Where is she? Oh, there she is. Hi, Becca. In case you haven't ever heard this girl sing, Don't oh my goodness, we're going to have to have you sing for us real soon. This girl, my goodness, what a voice. No, we don't. <laughs> anyway, I had to text him because I, like public speaking makes me kind of nauseous. But of course, you're a diva. <laughs> I'm a diva? No. Um, so I grew up in a really conservative family that went to like 10 people churches in like the back country where... Basically, you follow the Old Testament rules, 
and if you don't do this and this and this, then like you're going to hell. There's no other alternative. Like <laughs> yeah. you cannot be saved. <laughs> Obey so, or damnation. Right. And so yeah. that really turned off my brother and I and my mom to just kind of church in general um, because that didn't seem like a worthwhile thing to live through. Mm. Um, and so I was blessed enough to find this church, which retaught me something completely different. And I guess I'm struggling to show that in a loving way to my family and offer them something different in a non-bossy way. <laughs> Not in, I guess, just after growing up being told, you have to mm. do this, you have to do this, you have to do sure. this. I don't want to come off as you need to do this instead, but just look what you can do and look what yeah. can be offered. To, like, how do you communicate that in a way that's effective? Well, you first have to understand that's going to take some time. And you have to sow seeds of love and grace and demonstrate it before in that kind of setting you're gonna have they're gonna have to see demonstration before they hear a proclamation um, because because of the combat that happens and it happens in words it happens in so when you just express it in love and bite that tongue that's an act of love when you would normally want to react or, or be angry, just take those moments and realize, okay, I'm, it's time to sow seed here and be patient because, and this is where we really learn the patience of God with us. The patience of God with us is when we learn to extend that to others. But when opportunities come, and they will, when the question comes, that's when you bring the answer. And it's better in moments like that that when called upon, that you could offer an answer. And if they argue, if they get mad at you, you say, you asked me the question. You invited me into this conversation. You see? Um, but always answer with the book. Let the Bible speak for you. My dad taught me and my brother that years ago, and I know that is something that has taken so much strain and weight off of me. When my dad said, just open the Bible. The weight's on the Word. Just open the word and let them answer that for themselves. That really helped me where I didn't feel like I had to always defend it without opening it. What's, that's ludicrous to do that if we think about it. Let's let the Bible speak. Let's, let's, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at what this says. And then this is, this is what happens. And I, I deal with people that, that are still bound up in legalism. And is, you know, I was in some measure as well. That, that when, the, when they read it, and I usually make, I make them read it out loud. Read that to me. So then they read it, and then they always go, so you're saying, I said, I didn't say that. You, the script, you, that's what that just, you tell me what that says. And make them admit what the Bible says. And see, that opens them up to think, oh, now I'm, I'm facing the truth hard in the face. I can't blame him or her for this. The word's telling me this. See? And, and, and it's, it's the power to change. Um, so just be patient. Like I said, sow seeds of love. Just understand, love never fails. It really never fails. And it has a power in it to cast out all fear, to break bonds, 
and to set the captives free. You got a thought? Yeah, just that? just quickly, I was just going to say, and always remember that God wants them more than you do. Yeah. And so don't get in a hurry or worried that somehow you're not going to get to them in time. God's going to take care of all that. You just just be you, and God just know that God loves them, and He's more more um, after them than than you could ever be. And so He's He's going to make a way yes. for all that. That's very true. Let me leave you with this scripture. Have you guys enjoyed this tonight? Should we do this more often? This good help help you. All right, Amen. This is Luke chapter eleven. I, I was with um, Pastor Charlie Tuttle, who pastors Genesis Church here in McKinney. And uh, we've, he's become a dear friend of mine. And uh, we've been doing these Monday night things over at Pastor Mike Conaway's church, V-Life, and, uh, uh, where we just let the Holy Spirit use us for an hour. And so I want to encourage you guys. I'm not always on there, but I, I, every Monday night it happens there where they just want to prophesy and minister to people. So we take an hour, and you can go on their Facebook Live and, and just be ministered to. It's a really wonderful time. But one of the things... That I shared that night, and I, and I just want to kind of piggyback on what you said here, because I think that this makes all the difference. This makes all the difference. This is where the switch is flipped. Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. And they ask him, teach us to pray. And so he, he at the beginning of the chapter, he's, he's talking about, you know, we all know the, the, the prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so, but then right after that, he, the verse 5, he says, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, or give me some bread. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now listen to what Jesus says. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Well, okay, so when I heard many sermons on this, many, many, many sermons on this and talked about how we need to persist and persist and persist and keep banging and persist and persist. Who is this to this man in the house? He's his friend. He's a friend. Where is this friend? He's outside of the house. He's knocking, persist, persist. You gotta persist. Don't give up. You gotta persist. Uh, uh, you gotta get serious with God. You got to show him that you mean it. This is the kind of thing I hear. So you just think, perform. Hey, 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 something the Father says. And so we, many times, they, we've been applied in the story as the friend outside the house. I don't think we've applied it right. Not New Testament. He says, my children are already with me in bed. We're not the friend outside. We're the children with the Father. Are you hearing me? That means that you're in the house and you get what your father has. The friend is on the outside. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But you know what? A friend has to persist. He's not in the family. He doesn't have rights to what the father has, so he's got to bang on the door. He's got to keep asking. A guy named Cornelius did a lot of persisting. He did a lot of knocking. His scripture says he prayed to God always. He was a good man. He was a devout man. He gave to the poor. And he knocked and he knocked and knocked until God said, well, he's persistent. So he gets Peter there eventually through an angelic visit. Peter comes, preaches the gospel, and Cornelius and all of his house gets into the family. 
They go from being a friend outside knocking to friends with the father, or family with the father in the house. So that's why I'm saying we've been duped many times by religious thinking, thinking, forgetting, forgetting, and not understanding that it is not about performance. No, no, no. It's about position. We are in a position where we have everything that our Father wants to get. Listen to me. You don't have to beg God to do things for you. You don't have to persist, persist, persist. Guess what? He's your Heavenly Father. It is His job to take care of you. And He's going to do it. Later on in this chapter, later on, just a few verses down, in verse 11, he says, if a son asks for bread. See, it's different, a friend asking for bread and a son asking for bread. See, you are children of God. that to wake up to this reality of family, that God is your Father, and he's given us his spirit, whereby now we cry, Abba, Father. What a glorious thing God has done for us. Huh? So let's take advantage of it. No longer slaves, but sons. Not beggars. We're receivers. Amen? That's the difference in those, those two kinds of thinking. Is either performance or position. You just show them who you are. And let that fruit show. Okay? Amen. Praise God. We are through tonight. Can I say one thing? Yes. I've been wanting, I've been holding this, and I don't know. Say, what, say it. Yes. This, this is really revolutionary. Um, no, I, I, was, wanna, I was reminded of, a, of yeah. a quote by Mike Warnke, the comedian yeah. from the 70s. If you've never heard, he's a Christian comedian. And he used to say this about people in dealing with sin. And he would make this statement in his, in his stand-up. They've heard and he, me say And this. he said it lots of times, that you, if you get busy doing the do's, yeah. you don't have time to do the don'ts. And it's about perspective when it comes to the word. If we just get busy doing what God has told us to do, and would we do that, we don't really have time to do anything else. <laughs> we don't have time for all of that. Um, evangelist Mario Murillo said, if you'll just go out and start telling people about Jesus, you don't have time to complain about the color of the carpet in the church. <laughs> well, that kind of brings us full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Brandon being here with us tonight. And thank you for what you've done here tonight, what you've accomplished, Lord, in your wisdom and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people, those that are here in the room, those that are watching by live stream and those listening by podcast. God, thank you for every hearer here. And, Lord, you said faith comes by hearing. And I pray that tonight they will be inspired in their faith. People will be built up tonight on the word of God, edified, strengthened, healed, restored, and full of hope. That the joy of the Lord would be their strength. Thank you, Lord, for meeting needs. Lord, while we got questions, what I love about you is you're not afraid of our questions. You're not afraid of our doubts. Bring them to me. Let me help you. Let's make an exchange here. Let me show you who I am. See, you are so good. And Lord, the more we become aware of how on our side you really are and who we are in you and who you are in us, God. So many of these thoughts these, that have bound us, these strongholds, these habits, these things, Lord, they will just come crumbling down. Because Lord, when someone is awake in their righteousness, 
when they are awake to who they are. Lord, I believe that they position themselves there for anything is possible at any time. And I thank you, Lord, that you cause your people to live in the freedom and to stand fast in that freedom that you've given them so that they can run this race without growing weary. They can walk and not faint. And they can mount up with wings like eagles by this gathering tonight. You said those who wait. That literally means to gather together with expectation. And I believe we've done that tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for what that promise is to your people. Refreshing, strength, hallelujah, uplifting in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.